Hello, 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 and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today as we explore sexual intimacy and how to create more of it. And for the first time on Real Men Feel, I opened the Akashic Records of a guest. I felt there was some healing wanting to happen, and I found that there are always borrowed benefits by hearing someone else's reading. But if you want the full experience, go to theandygrant.com records. You'll have the opportunity for a discounted session there at theandygrant.com records, because life is more on your side than you may realize. My guest today is Leah Carey. Leah is a speaker, author, coach, and host of the Good Girls Talk About Sex podcast. We explore sex, intimacy, and the fact that women can experience pleasure. Leah and I discovered that the father wound is not something that only affects boys, as Leah shares her experiences growing up and how her dad treated her. She shares the simplest way you can create more intimacy in your relationship, and Leah also speaks to the fact that since we teach little girls and little boys such different things, it's no wonder that things are often a mess in the bedroom. Let's clean some of that mess up. Leah, welcome to Real Men Feel. Hi, Andy. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's been quite a while. Yeah. You know, I was trying to look back and we meet like 2009, 2010, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Anyways, you've had lots of adventures since we first crossed paths. And one of them is your podcast, Good Girls Talk About Sex. Correct. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how your show operates, how you got into that? Absolutely. So first of all, it's my favorite thing to do in the whole world because, you know, I get to talk to women about sex all day. So what's bad about that? (laughs) Yeah, the podcast is literally me having conversations with women about their sex lives. From the super mundane to the really kinky and outrageous, it's often kind of a chronological conversation, starting with like, when did you figure out how to masturbate? <laughs> and then, you know, what was your first kiss like? And how about the first time you had sex? And and on up through their lives. And sometimes it's difficult because a lot of women have experienced abuse and trauma related to their sexuality. Sometimes it's really funny because sex is weird and, <laughs> and everything in between. And yeah, I love it. And the reason that I contacted you to have this conversation is because I have been surprised at how many men have contacted me to say, I listen to your podcast all the time, and I've learned so much that nobody ever taught me about women. And so I thought, well, maybe I should be talking directly to the men then. (laughs) Cool. So since it's conversations men are surprised by, are the conversations surprising you as well? I think every person has such an interesting individual story. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm surprised by most things, but I feel everything so deeply, you know, like every time somebody comes in with a really hard story, it's like I get to go through it with them again. Or it's not like people come in with super kinky stories. I'm like, oh my God, I've never heard of that (laughs) because I've done, I haven't necessarily done the kinky things, but I've done a lot of learning about kink. So yeah, it's an interesting question though. I can't think of a time when I've been like, I've never heard such a thing before. 
So is that the sort of message you hear from men? Like, I didn't know that was a thing, or is it much, like what level of openness, of vulnerability is it welcoming the men to step into? Huge. So the most frequent email or message that I get, and honestly, it's heartbreaking. The most frequent message I get from men is, I didn't know that women wanted or felt pleasure. Like literally our sex ed at least the way that it's done in the United States. And I know like in Canada, it's not much better. The way that we teach sex ed, first of all, there's absolutely nothing about how to have a healthy relationship or healthy communication. It's disease prevention and pregnancy prevention. But even beyond that, it's often segregated by gender and it's starting to change now, but with the assumption that there's only two genders and that everybody's gender is going to match their genitals. And that when boys grow up, they start to get hard-ons and wet dreams and sex is really fun. And you have to get sort of get past the girl's nose because girls are, you know, socialized to say no. And then you get to have sex and it's really fun. What we teach girls is you're going to get your period and suffer. So there is literally no conversation anywhere in any sex ed program, at least not that is taught in a public school, about the fact that women actually feel pleasure too, and that that should be part of the sexual experience. And so there are a lot of men out there sort of you know, you and I are roughly the same generation, I think. Our generation and up, older, there are a lot of men who have just never considered the possibility that they're supposed to pay attention or care about their partner's pleasure. And this is even guys who have a partner. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got an email from a guy who was, I can't remember the specifics. He was like 75 or 80. And he said, I've been in a sexless marriage for the last 35 years because my mother taught me that women hate sex. And my wife never told me anything different. So we just stopped having sex when we were no longer trying to have kids. And he was like, I wish I'd heard your podcast 40 years ago. It might have made a real difference for us. And is that common that men are kind of operating with what they were taught by perhaps prior kind of closed-minded, you know, closeted people uh, afraid to express themselves to begin with? I mean, I can't speak for all men. And I like, I need to be super upfront about that. I talk to women. So my knowledge about what happens in men's brains is limited to the conversations I've had and the things I've heard about partners, which makes it, you know, secondhand information. But I think it's starting to be questioned. The kids who are like in college age and down now are living in a very different world than we did. They're living in a world that is very open to the idea that there are multiple genders, very open to the idea that not just that everybody isn't heterosexual, but maybe everybody's not even heterosexual or homosexual. There's like other shades of gray. Like kids today have a very different experience around gender and sexuality. That does not mean that the sex ed programs are catching up to teach them about that, but they're living it. Like they have friends who are pansexual and transgender and non-binary. But for people, well, basically who didn't have the internet, 
you know, we didn't have the internet as an integral part of our lives and Snapchat and all of that when our sexuality was being formed in our, you know, young years. And that makes such a huge difference because we were trying to fit into all of the information that we had was just the world around us. And nobody was talking about what was going on with them because that would make us different and different is bad. Like that's a super general statement, but for the most part, we try to fit in because that's what keeps us in good standing with our community. It wasn't until the internet that a kid in Mississippi could connect with a kid in Colorado, could connect with a kid in New Zealand and all be like, oh, I'm having the same experience. I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just that I don't have enough people in my circle who are talking about this. And the more people who get that information, the more it becomes socially acceptable because there are just more people. How do you define sexual intimacy? That's a great question. So I think first we need to say, how do we define sex? Because literally everybody has a different definition of sex. Some people think it is, is it okay if I use the real words? (laughs) For some people, it is penis and vagina. That is what sex is. Well, that discounts our community members who don't have one penis and one vagina in their relationship. So that can't be it because I'm not willing to say that lesbians have never had sex. (laughs) So if it's not that, then maybe it's two people rubbing genitals together. Well, but there are some people who don't really enjoy you know, having their genitals touched. There are definitely people who are like, I only want to touch you. I don't want my genitals to be touched. So does that mean they're not having sex because they're not touching genitals? No, of course not. Okay. So does it mean that sex equals orgasm? Well, I can tell you there are a lot of times when sex, even penetrative penis and vagina sex does not equal orgasm on either side or both sides. And we're still having penetration. So it's not based on orgasms either. You know, some people might say, well, it's when you get naked together. Well, you can certainly get naked together and not be having a sexual experience. So none of those sort of like real specific logistical things work for me as a definition. So the definition I've settled on is sex is when two people are in a situation where the activity has the potential to lead to orgasm. Doesn't mean it has to end in orgasm, but it has the potential to lead to orgasm. So that could include, you know, fully clothed humping. That could include being in a hot tub together and sort of stroking each other. You know, like there are lots of things that could include. So then your question, what is sexual intimacy? I'm going to go the sort of semantics route and say that there's a difference between the times when you're sort of, (laughs) as they would say, bumping uglies, (laughs) you know, like you're just banging versus the time when you're having a really connected, intimate experience. So I think I would refer to that as true sexual intimacy. When you're having an experience with somebody where there's, again, 
the potential for an orgasm and you're truly connected and in that intimate space together. Yeah. And I want to get even dig deeper into that. So is it dropping of the mask? It's not, you know, I'm not even thinking about this person I'm with, that there is a connection, there is a heart connection, a spiritual connection, emotional, mental, and physical. Is that the notion? There's a more of a, a bond than just bumping uglies. It's more than just an action we're taking. So again, I think that there needs to be space for everybody to experience it in the way that they personally and individually experience it. But I can look back into my own history. So I did not come to this work as a like person who had a supremely beautiful sexual <laughs> awakening in my teens and then, you know, went through life completely free. I was very, very sexually repressed until my early 40s at which point I went through a pretty massive sexual awakening. This was about five years ago. I can look back in my own history and say my very first, I was a late bloomer. I did not have sex for the first time until I was 25. That first guy I had sex with, we were not well-matched. There were lots of ways in which we were not well-matched. We should not have been together. He wanted to have sex from behind, doggy style, pretty much all the time. He would have been happy if that's the only thing we ever did. To me, first of all, it was physically painful because I wasn't turned on. My pleasure was not part of the experience. So I wasn't turned on. Therefore, I wasn't lubricated. Therefore, it was painful. And to all of the people out there who are going to say, well, it's just painful sometimes. That's just sort of what it is for women. Bullshit. <laughs> like if your body is not lubricating, Either it's because you're not turned on and you need to spend the time to make sure that the female body is turned on or you're turned on and your body just isn't lubricating, in which case lube is your friend. <laughs> lube from a bottle is your friend. Neither of us had any understanding of any of that. So he wanted to do from behind. It hurt. And because he was behind me, I couldn't see him and he couldn't see me. And so I felt like I was really nothing more than a hole for him to fill. And I cried. Literally every time we had sex for two years, I cried. And he somehow didn't notice. I don't know if he was intentionally ignoring it or if he was really just that checked out. But there were a couple of times when he said to me, I wish you wouldn't cry. It makes it less good for me. So... There can be people who have fully connected sex from a really heart-centered place from behind, and they don't have to be looking at each other, and they are completely in that moment together. There can be other people who are looking directly at each other, who are talking to each other, who are locking eyes, who are doing all those things, and yet they're not connected in a real deep way. And that is not an intimate experience for them. So, sorry, this is a very long answer. The specific answer to your question about what that looks like for me, I would say that true intimacy happens when both people feel seen and feel heard. I don't actually buy into the idea that it needs to be this huge, like, grand love affair, that it has to be inside a committed relationship. You can have a truly, and I have had truly intimate one-time experiences 
the intimacy was not about the length and depth of my relationship with this person. It was the fact that they so thoroughly saw me and heard me and understood what I needed. Right. From all the spiritual teachings and mystical teachings of the world, all we have is the present moment. So intimacy, if it exists, is now. Yeah. You know, there's not like, oh, well, how long does now last? Like, that's not part of <laughs> the, the scenario. So I get that and appreciate that. And thank you for sharing some of your story. I'm just struck by that was so opposite of intimate, your relationship at age 25, because you weren't being seen or heard, obviously. And why did you allow that for two years? Why did I stay? Yeah. Because I was terrified. Because my father told me that I was fat and ugly and unlovable. The way that he phrased it was no boy, but ultimately I'm, you know, bisexual. And so I, in my head, I expanded that to no person. He told me that no one would ever be attracted to me in the body that I had, which also I look back at pictures now and I'm like, now I carry extra weight. At that point, I didn't. But all of that is beside the point anyway. So my dad told me that I was unlovable. So I ended up partnering with people who also told me I was unlovable because that was all that I thought I deserved. It is astonishing to me because at the time I thought, well, there's nobody else out there. There's no good person who actually wants to be with me. But when I actually look back at it, the truth is there were other people who showed interest in me. There were really good, solid, loving people who showed interest in me. And I absolutely dismissed them because in my brain, I thought, if I'm so unlovable and they're interested in me, there's got to be something wrong with them. And so why would I want to do that? So I only chose the people who confirmed for me how unlovable I was. That's horrible. In the show, often we talk about the father wound and that's, you know, the damage done, the absence of love because your father is physically absent or emotionally absent or is in your life, but abusive. Yeah. And usually we talk about it from the male point of view and what that does to you growing up to be a man when that was your experience. And I talk about that a lot because it's much more common to be in a household, to be raised without a present dad. But a lot of women ask me, well, me too. Like I have that one. I'm like, oh yeah, it's not exclusive to men. Everybody has a father and yeah. everybody has repercussions of them being physically gone or emotionally gone or critical and abusive. And so, you know, another experience of that wound. And we all take our wounds on as fact that we're broken, we're flawed, that again, no one would love us and go on our, our way to prove it, to make ourselves right about our decisions about ourselves. And you know, something else we do with those wounds, which I find fascinating, we turn them into our kinks. So many people have kinks that they think are so disgusting that they judge themselves for so harshly that they end up telling themselves, I'm a terrible person. I'm a pervert. I can never let anybody know this. And you know how we know this? Because one of the most searched for terms on porn sites is incest porn. The fact that people look for incest porn does not mean, please listen to me. If you are somebody who looks for incest porn and you think that you are a pervert, please hear this. The fact that you are looking for that does not mean that you actually want it. 
this is a place that people get really confused. Well, does this mean I'm really interested in my mother or my father, whatever? No, it does not mean that you're actually wanting to play out that scenario. But we turn these difficult experiences into our kinks. I'm not a psychologist, so I'm going to give you sort of my layperson understanding of this, which is that when we play them out in a consensual sexual scenario, we get to have some control over what happened. We get to go as far as we want and then say, stop. We get to understand ourselves in a different and new way. And some people use their kinks as healing opportunities, which is a totally different subject (laughs) uh, from what we're talking about today. But, you know, people who have really difficult relationships with one or other of their parents and then go searching for incest porn, that's actually a coping behavior that we should be talking about rather than shaming. But what we do is we tell people that they're disgusting and horrible and that no one will ever love them, which is absolutely not the truth. There are people in the world who, if you have the desire to play that out, there are people who will play that out with you who are not your biological mother or father. (laughs) So your podcast is called Good Girls Talking About Sex. So somewhere in the mix of no one will ever love you, that message, was there also a message of you got to be a good girl? Oh, God, yes. I had to be a good girl because that meant that, you know, I would stay under my father's radar. At the same time that he was telling me no one would ever love me, he was also telling me that he had to protect me from boys and lock me in my room until I was 30. And he would break the kneecaps of any boy who ever showed interest in me. So it was like this very confusing mixed message. Plus he was speaking to me sexually about my own body. So there was a lot of really confusing stuff flying around. And so what I knew to do, the only thing that I knew to do to protect myself was to be as good as possible so that he would pay less attention to me. The less notice that I brought onto myself, the better. And even without that sort of addition of trauma, this is a space that most women grow up in, which is that we just as a society teach our little girls, sit down, pull your dress down, be quiet, make sure that when everyone's done eating, you pick up the dishes, don't run around and yell. Like we teach our little girls to be quiet, to be small to be seen and not heard, to be pretty. We teach our little boys that they can put frogs in their pockets. You know, like it's a completely different way to raise children based literally on what is inside their pants. Mm. Nothing else. It's so asinine. (laughs) But yeah, most of us are brought up to believe that we're supposed to take care of everyone else first. And so then you bring that into the bedroom because we learn the lessons as little girls, but nobody teaches us anything different later. We bring those lessons into the bedroom and we spend our time focused on making sure that our partner is okay, making sure that our partner is having pleasure, making sure that our partner has an orgasm. And if that requires us to fake our orgasm or to tell them that we enjoy things that we don't actually enjoy, to put up with things that we really don't want to do, all of that is in service to making sure our partner has enjoyment. And therefore, we are fulfilling this prophecy that women don't enjoy sex. 
so much of what you're sharing and the talking about incest porn and that interest being a wound, it's making me think of something rarely, I think twice in my life, I've heard guys talk about this. And this is the notion of, you know, men having daughters and it's, you know, daddy's little girl, daddy's little princess and princess grows up and becomes sexually attractive and the man feels things and notices things and like doesn't know what to do so often will shut down at a certain mm. age as his daughter goes through puberty. They just, boom, the relationship totally changes. So I wonder if that was your experience at all. Was your dad horrible from day one or was there a change in your body that triggered it for him or, or anything like that? I don't know the answer to that because I have a lot of big black holes in my memory, which is you know, fairly common for people who grew up in ongoing trauma. I can say that the comments about my body started around 11, I think. I was about 11. And they included, like I said, he commented on my body in sexual ways. And I've been through a lot of therapy about this, right? And I think the most helpful thing I ever heard was from a coach who said to me, your father saw you starting to develop and starting to exude sexual energy. And he got confused. He thought it was for him and it wasn't, and it never would have been, but he didn't have enough skills to know that. I've said that to other people and they found it very disturbing. I myself find it incredibly comforting because it means that my father was not I don't think that he was ever malicious. I don't think that his abuse was ever malicious. I think he just didn't have any skills. That rings and feels really true to me as well. And it's why I want men to understand, to hear and understand. Obviously, we're talking about heterosexual men here or bisexual. Anybody, any man who deals with women, <laughs> I want men who have sex with women to understand what it takes to have a connected, fulfilling, heartfelt sexual experience so that they can be doing that in the appropriate place that brings a happier relationship, which means that everybody in the house is happier. But also a byproduct of that is that we teach our daughters that they deserve that too that they are allowed to want and to wait for this kind of deeply fulfilling experience, that they don't need to go out and find somebody who's going to abuse them just in order to get attention. Yeah, I think that's really important. So based on your personal experience of all the women you talked to on the show and the feedback you've had from men, what do you find that men need to hear or learn to create those tighter, intimate, healthy sexual relationships? I think the most important thing that men don't understand is that the woman's turn-on cycle is very different from the man's turn-on cycle. So for somebody who has a penis and is being powered by testosterone, you know, there are going to be some broad generalizations here. So this won't be true for everybody, but the way that the male turn on cycle happens, it's pretty fast. You know, you see a picture, you see, you hear a noise, whatever. And like that, all the gears turn on and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. The woman's turn on cycle is absolutely not like that. A woman needs time because remember, all of the men's stuff is exterior. So it can just go like that. There's not a lot of stuff in the way. 
the woman's stuff is all interior and it needs time for all of the lubrication to actually show up. So we hear like, we have to do all this foreplay and why can't we just get to the banging? You know, the reason that you need, first of all, foreplay is a ridiculous concept (laughs) that was made up (laughs) um, because all of that touching is part of the sex. It's part of the connection. But the reason that you need to have all of that touching and stroking and really loving on each other is because that is the time it takes the woman's system to get turned on and warmed up so that she's lubricated so that when you enter her, it feels good. And so going back to some of the early conversation, is intimacy required to turn a woman on? Depends on the woman. For some women, not at all. Some women are ready to go. Some women have a very quick, and that's why I'm saying it's a very generalized what I'm saying, because there are some women whose systems act more like what we'd expect a man's system to act like. They get turned on very quickly and they're ready to go. I just did an interview with a woman who was like, I don't want foreplay, like insertion and go and done. And then there are going to be men who are like, I need all the foreplay in order to feel really connected. So every person is going to be super different. What's necessary is what feels right to you and what feels right to your partner. There are no rights or wrongs when it comes to sex. There is literally nothing that is wrong in sex. There's no bad fantasies. There's no scary, you're bad, you're wrong. None of that. The only warning signs are if you are fantasizing about hurting someone else without their consent. You can hurt somebody with their consent all day long. (laughs) (laughs) If you're fantasizing about hurting someone without their consent or being intimate with somebody who's under the age of consent, those are the two warning signs where I would suggest you need to seek some sort of help, some sort of therapy. Everything else is on the table. Even the kinks that people consider the most out there, completely okay. Not only are they okay, there are people who want to participate in that with you. I often remind guys that the only definition of masculinity that matters is yours. So it's not like the same is for sex. Yes, totally. And there are lots of guys who want to be submissive. And there are lots of women who want to be dominant, you know, like this idea that there is a way that a man is supposed to act in the bedroom is complete dookie. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. You know, so we had chatted a bit before the show and I asked if you would be interested in opening your Akashic Records for a bit of an experience during the show. And I'm feeling like there is something there. I'm not going to tell you what to ask or anything, but so I'm just going to. We'll open your records. I, I access the records via a short prayer. I'll make it clear when it's time to ask questions, and we'll spend some time there. And or maybe I'll ask some things on your behalf. We'll see how it unfolds. And again, if any of this feels too much too soon, if it feels traumatic, which the records never present that way, you always have the right to say enough, stop, or we can edit this out as well. Sounds good. Cool. Hmm. And so we do acknowledge the forces of light, asking for guidance, direction, and courage to know the truth as it is revealed for our highest good and the highest good of everyone connected to us. O Holy Spirit of God, help me to know Leah in the light of the Akashic Records, to see Leah through the eyes of the Lords of the Records, and enable me to share the wisdom and compassion that the Masters, teachers, and loved ones of Leah have for her. The records are now open. What would you like to ask? Hmm. 
I guess the thing that's most present for me is work-related, which is that I tend to have shiny object syndrome. (laughs) I bounce from one thing to the next. And right now I'm really focused on getting a book ready for publication. And I guess my question is if I'm on the right track with that, if it's if the book is the right thing to be doing and if I'm taking the right steps toward it. Huh. You're multifaceted, you're multi-interested, and that's a trait, that's a positive thing that you have the ability to go, oh, 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 great, 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 great. And it's showing up in the records almost like uh, the love of like popping bubble wrap. Like, oh, good, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> I'm like, check all these things off. So though there's, it feels like it feels good to you. So we encourage you, don't discount that. Don't put yourself down for having lots of varied interests and ideas and projects. With that said, the invitation as a human is to focus on one thing, to dive into that and get it as far as you want to get it before popping other bubbles. The book has a lot of positive energy with it and drive, but it's almost what feels more important than saying, aha, a book is complete, is everything else it opens. It feels like it opens other doors. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like there are related you know, courses, introductions, meetings. The book is not the be all end all of the book writing process. It's a door that opens just all these other doors. And the book should see their light of day. It'll be published. You'll release it. But again, it's everything that helps lead to as opposed to, yay, so many people bought this book. Or yay, I got a great review on this book. It's like, someone's like, I read that book. I need to talk to you. Oh, I read that Mm. book. Come this way. Hey, I read that book. Let's do this together. It's all the relationships, collaborations, and just other opportunities that writing this book serves you and serves everyone else. So it's a way of sharing and expressing yourself that leads to more doors and opportunities of service than just the reading of the book. Mm -hmm. What else would you like to ask? Well, I'm not sure this is even an appropriate question for this, but my mom passed away five and a half years ago. And I guess I always kind of want to know if she's okay. (laughs) Wow. Better than okay. Wow. Andy's brain does not have the words. There's this level of... A level of like sweetness, like fresh flowers and fresh baked cookies. There's just all these like archetypes of this most grandmotherly, nurturing, uh, just loving energy. And yeah, it's like, how can I not be all right? How would they this? Like, of course I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's so much love and pride and encouragement to keep going. And you can't not be on your path. Even if you choose to like, you know what, enough with all of this uh, sexual liberation, enough with all this podcast, I'm just going to go dig ditches. Like, <laughs> fine. Like, that's part of your path then. Until you realize, oh, you know what, digging ditches, it's not what I thought it would be. I'm going to go do something else that's more of service. <laughs> right? You can't be off your path. You're creating in every motion and in, in every moment. But there is so much love and support and pride. Ah, unlimited healing, the return to oneness. Your dad's energy is here as well with that, not the sweetness, but the pride. Mm-hmm. Right, the honoring and personality is stripped away, so that's all gone. But there's just pride, and almost despite the roadblocks I laid upon you, wow, look at what you have accomplished, look what you're doing, look how you're being mm-hmm. of service to yourself and to others. So there's a lot of pride there, yeah. Service, 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 huge for you. The more ways that you can be of service, and it's interesting, service is this intertwined just S that keeps getting bigger and bigger for you. So, service to yourself is service to everybody else. Like you can't be selfish. Anything that you perceive as selfish is really selfless. Anything that you can see that's only for you is somehow for others. Mm. Your willingness to be open, your willingness to share. Yeah, yeah, your willingness to be completely transparent 
serves you and everybody else incredibly so. Incredibly so. Like beyond the realm that we <laughs> that we mere humans will not recognize how transformative your openness, your authenticity is. That ability to let so many other people, let the possible world audience of listeners and readers in to have that experience of I'm not alone. I'm not broken. I'm not a mess. And it comes down to the biggest fear. You encourage others to see and recognize and own that I deserve to be alive. Mm. Right? I deserve joy in my life, which can come about from relationships and sexuality or an infinite number of other ways. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important. And the book, opening all these other infinite ways, that's all part of it. Your ability to pop bubbles <laughs> will serve you because more will be coming your way. Instead of just going, oh no, I can only do one thing at a time. This is too much. <laughs> like that's not you. So embrace that. Don't ever put that down, right? That you can be varied of interest and pursuit is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And just realize you always have the ability to choose what to focus on. It is your choice. And you can say, yeah, I'll pop pop those bubbles later. I'm not putting you away forever, right? So invite all that in. Mm. Yeah, there's even all the good stuff you have, there's more. You're just on the outskirts of all of your positive impact and feeling and growth and expansion. All right, is there anything else you would like to ask? I don't think so. Thank you. I would like to thank the masters, teachers, and loved ones for their love and compassion. I would like to thank the Lord to the Akashic Records for their point of view. And I'd like to thank the Holy Spirit of Life for all knowledge and healing. The record's now closed. Amen. The record's now closed. Amen. The record's now closed. Amen. So we had never done that before. Why I felt important to get to it was I was getting this big hit that there was healing, especially with your dad, that was wanting to unfold and be felt. Mm. So I hope some of that came through. Yeah, you said a couple things that really struck me. One was you're talking about selflessness and selfishness. Have you watched the Derek Delgadio piece in and of itself on Hulu? Watch this piece. It's like an hour, 15 minutes, maybe. In and of itself by Derek Delgadio. Don't look anything up about it before you watch it. Go in completely new. But I, I was listening to him do an interview after I watched it. I've watched it a few times. And one of the things that he said about it was, I finally figured out that I needed to be so selfish that it became selfless. Mm. And I was like, oh, that feels so true to the way that I move in the world. Yeah. And I think it's true for any heart-centered person. If you're being of service to get metaphysical, you know, we're all one. Mm-hmm. So if I'm taking great care of me, yeah, I'm taking great care of all of us. And isn't that true? I mean, to bring it all around, it's true in the bedroom too. If I'm really clear about what I need and I can communicate that to my partner, I'm taking care of myself and my sexual needs, but ultimately that's taking amazing care of them too, because they're not having to guess. They're getting to participate in that pleasure with me. There's so much good that comes from figuring out what you want and what you need and getting taken care of and that just bringing more pleasure. So perhaps we've stumbled on a new definition or expanded definition of intimacy. It's Mm. when two feel as one, Mm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all Mm -hmm. of that. And there's a chance for orgasm. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and there's always an opportunity for (laughs) orgasm. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. So from the women you talk to, from the questions you hear from men, What steps might a man take to create more intimacy with a partner? Listen, I mean, honestly, the things I'm going to tell you are not actually about sex. 
women need to be listened to. They need to be heard. So many of us have gone through the world being told who we are, what to think, how to dress, what to want. And I'm not saying that men don't have that same experience. But at the level that I am a woman and I talk to women, I can tell you that this is what women need to be listened to, to be heard, to be seen. Once a woman feels like you're hearing her and seeing her, you've already got it. Like that is the opening. Now, there are men who could take that or there are people in general who could take that and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to make her feel like I don't actually have to do the work. I can just make her feel like she's being listened to. And that becomes manipulation. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about really spending the time to understand what her fears are, what her wants are, all of that. And then to take your time, really, really take your time. One of the secret behind men that I am finding after five and a half years of this show and even longer of being a man (laughs) (laughs) is is that guys need that safe space as well. But we've been trained even harder to never admit that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So I don't know how much time we have left, but here's what happens. Little girls are taught to make everybody happy, to not ask for what they need, to just sort of exist as in the service of everyone else. Little boys are taught to know what needs to be done, to fix it, and to never ask any questions because then you look weak. Now, put those two people in a bedroom together. You've got one person who doesn't know how to ask for what she wants, if she even knows what she wants at all. And you have one person who's taught to just do what you know how to do and don't ask any questions. That is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for nobody to enjoy themselves. That's why the communication is so important. When you put it that way, it's amazing that we have succeeded this far as a species. It's (laughs) astonishing. Yeah. 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 Despite our best efforts at teaching ourselves the worst way to be, Enough of us managed to, to strip yeah. that away and, and find our authentic selves and, and communicate. And again, it's the oneness thing has just shown up a lot for me today. Giving that gift of listening, of space, of safety to your partner because it's what you want to receive as mm-hmm. well. And yeah. giving the pleasure, right? Satisfaction, enjoyment, deliciousness, whatever it is that can bring about. Or if it's pain, if it's, you know, whatever kink it might be. But if you both want to give it to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And understanding that some people like in any sexual situation, there's usually a giver and a receiver. You don't always have to be the giver or the receiver, but in this particular situation, be clear on which one you are so that you can fulfill that role. You know, one of the reasons that so many are parents of young children end up not having sex is because if the woman is the primary caregiver, she is being used as a jungle gym and a feeding station all day long. She is completely touched out. And then she gets to the bedroom and her partner's like, hey, baby, let's get it on. It's like, I've got nothing left for you. When I talk to those women, they start by saying, I just don't want him to touch me. I just, I don't want him anywhere near me. And we dig a little deeper 
And that is actually not the case. They want the touch. They want the caresses, but they need it to be in a place of service to them and refilling their tank instead of them taking care of yet another person. So in that situation, if you're the man coming home to your wife who's been alone with the kids all day, if you want to have sex, it's available to you. Or let's say if you want to have intimacy, because, you know, some women really do hurt down there. Like that's not something that's on the table for them yet. But if you want to have a truly intimate, connected experience, start being the giver and touching her in order to give her energy rather than trying to take an orgasm from her. I really honor and admire you and thank you for the work that you're doing on all the work you've done. You've done lots of different (laughs) books and touring and and presenting and speaking, but especially now with Good Girls Talk About Sex and what you've shared today. Again, I praise and welcome your authenticity, your openness, your willingness to go into the records. We never know what's going to be there when we play that game. But uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you, to, to learn more about you and working with you? So the podcast, like you said, is Good Girls Talk About Sex, available on all your regular podcast apps. You can find me on Instagram at Good Girls Talk. I have a YouTube channel at Good Girls Talk. I haven't done much with it for quite a while, though I do want to get back into it. But also I do coaching. And I have to this point worked with women and with couples. But Andy, because I love you so much (laughs) and because I trust that your audience is filled with men who really are interested in delving into themselves. I wanted to open the opportunity to work with a couple of your listeners. So I'm opening three spots specifically for your listeners. And I'll give you this link to put in your show notes. It's leahcarry.com forward slash real men. And yeah, I'll take three male clients to work with and really help you to find that space of connection and intimacy with your partner. Awesome. Cool. I find coaching to be one of the most powerful forces in the world that people don't take advantage of. I personally, I got so much more from coaching than I ever did from pharmaceuticals or psychiatrists (laughs) and talk therapy. I don't know about your experience, but if you were not feeling that you are creating the relationships that you know you're worthy of and that you desire, something can be done. Yeah. Yeah. There's work to do and there's plenty of safe, supported places uh, to do it. So yeah, check out Leah. We'll have the link in the show notes. Visit realmenfeel.org. And we'll have plenty of links there and all the social media connections for Leah. And I always find that whenever I do energy work with someone, if I do Akasha record reading, there's always what I call borrowed benefits. I just trust that what comes through will help more than just the person that I'm working with directly. So I trust that you got some borrowed benefits from today. And if you want to experience the Akasha records for yourself without it being broadcast, (laughs) visit theandygrant.com and can learn more about it there. And as always, wherever you're listening to Real Men Feel, any comments, likes, shares, always appreciated. You can reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Can I say one more thing before you close? So Andy, when you and I met, you were working pretty exclusively around suicide. I don't know if you call it suicide prevention or just like that experience of you're not alone in this feeling. And I know you've done a lot of things since, and I love keeping up with you, but I really want to tell you that I'm so, so glad you're here. Thank you. No, I'm derailed.
before I just start <laughs> weeping in gratitude. <laughs> but again, let me mirror that. Receive that. When you, as a human being, are open and authentic and vulnerable, you can hear things like that, not shut down, not, oh, no, no, you know, I'm like, and it took a lot of work. I'm like, oh, I would have shut you up as soon as you started talking, honestly. Oh, yeah, what are you doing? No, I appreciate that greatly. And again, I wish the work I do wasn't needed, but it is. Yeah. So work we shall. Yeah, absolutely. So until next time, be good to yourselves. Be intimate with yourselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and ideally, if you have a partner, be intimate with them as well. Right? But don't overlook being intimate with yourself, yeah. even if you have a partner. <laughs> ah, good. Cool, cool. Yeah. Can go back to that selfishness being of service. Selfish yes. is selfless. If even in, especially, I shouldn't say even, especially when it comes to the S of sexuality. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again. Be well, everybody. 